Good morning. My name is Eric. I am an elder here at Regen. The last time I was here was November 2019, almost well, more than a year ago on my birthday. I said then that it would probably be the last time I could share, but one whole global, global pandemic later, look who came crawling back. It was me. I begged to come back. So thank you for bearing with me today. I promise this one will be really short. Uh, this week was my birthday week. I'm now 36. And since the Chinese zodiac is a cycle of 12 years, this is my third time completing a cycle. The last time I completed a cycle I w was when I was 24. The next time, God willing, will be in 2032 when I am 48. Some reflections, though, from this last cycle. Uh, I've always heard that it's harder to make friends as you get older, and I wondered why that would be. Based on my personal experience, it's because I'm getting grumpier. It's hard to make friends when you're grumpy. There's no going to restaurants of any kind right now, uh, but when we were still going to them, I noticed that my criteria for them has changed. It used to be, does this place have energy and liveliness? Now it's, does this place have quick service and is it quiet? I also find myself spending more time thinking about what I eat. I used to eat whatever I wanted. I once ate seven spicy chicken sandwiches from Carl's Jr. and I ate two of them on my 10 minute drive home. I once ate a whole Papa John's pizza as a snack. Now though, I have to think about how I'll feel in two hours, if I'm eating enough vegetables, and I ask myself, is it too late for dessert? And the answer is always still, no, it's not too late, but I'm asking it. In conclusion, I have turned into my parents. So today's uh, teaching is gonna be from Isaiah 52, 13 uh, to 53, verse 12. He was pierced for our transgressions. Behold, my servant shall act wisely, shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He has no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. This is the important part. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, 
yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord. So some background. This is a part of a collection of songs in Isaiah collectively called the servant songs because they're about a servant. This is the fourth one. In Judaism, these passages are interpreted about being the ancient nation of Israel. But in Matthew, Mark, John, Acts, and Romans, we read that Jesus is the one who fulfills these prophecies. Did you know that the man of sorrows was a popular theme during the Middle Ages? In medieval art, it was a focus for meditation. The paintings show Jesus with the crown of thorns, the wounds in his hands and his side, and a lot of blood. They're very, very goth. And there's also that song from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, the movie from 2000. But I looked it up, and unfortunately, that is not related to the Bible at all. Uh, that song is called Man of Many Sorrows. Uh, I was really excited to use it because it's a really good song. Anyway, really briefly, I just want to review with you the life of Jesus. It may have been a while. So he was announced by an angel to a young woman who was unmarried. He was born in a food trough outside of a small town inn because there was no room for them. As an adult, his life ministry was as an outsider to the establishment. He spent time challenging the religious authority, calling them names to their faces, even when he was a guest at their own home. He didn't spend his time with academics and influential people. Instead, he was always hanging out with the wrong crowd, tax collectors and sinners. He relied on donations and support from others, and he was not financially successful. It seemed like there was constant infighting in his own group. They never seemed to understand his message. Eventually, he was betrayed by his closest friends, traded in for a small sum of money. And when he needed them the most, they failed and they deserted him. He was then falsely accused and executed, mere pawn in a political game between the Romans and the Pharisees. Merry Christmas, right? I was going to call this sermon Our Pitiful Savior, but that seems a little dramatic. But really, when you think about the life he had in our, as our world would view it, it makes sense. He was supposed to save Israel from the Roman Empire. 
But Jesus' life is marked by the absence of power. His career lasted just three years. He only had 12 followers. I checked and I have 300 followers on Instagram. He was always telling the ones that he saved not to talk about his healings or casting out of demons. Can you imagine today a televangelist doing that? It's a terrible marketing strategy. But this was all on purpose, wasn't it? Jesus had all of heaven at his command. He was God in the flesh, but he chose not to use power and strength. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. To be weak, he was showing us how to be a servant. He was showing us what greatness looks like in the kingdom of heaven. And it does, in fact, look pitiful. Jesus says very clearly in Matthew 20, 25, 26, 28, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So why did I pick Man of Sorrows for this Advent sharing? I think it speaks powerfully about our broken world. There is sin and disease, there is oppression and injustice. 2020 was a year we could all see clearly that our world is broken. There's brokenness up there and there's brokenness in here. But God did not hide from the brokenness. He came into it himself. Jesus came to mend all of the brokenness he came to this broken place to show us what the kingdom of heaven would look like. He then invited us into the kingdom of heaven as well. Which brings me to my main point for today, which is that God calls us to step into sorrow. We should not be distancing ourselves from it, but we should be embracing it when we find it, as God does with our sorrow. I admit this is a hard calling to acknowledge suffering, to acknowledge brokenness, too often, we choose and I choose the easier way, to ignore pain. We don't know how to be with people who are suffering because it makes us uncomfortable. Having emotions is tiring, isn't it? I remember when I was a kid, if I was crying for any reason, I'd inevitably end up crying myself to sleep every single time. We just want suffering to go away, but it doesn't always or even often just go away. But we end up saying things like, this is all God's plan, there's a reason for this, you just have to have more faith. Things will be better soon, because we don't know what else to say. But we don't know these things, only God does. Uh, I'll say, one of the things I appreciate about Job's friends from the Bible is, before they give him really bad advice and lecture him, they sit with him in silence for seven days and they mourn with him. That's really powerful. Uh, just save the platitudes. Nobody needs those. And even Jesus, when he heard Lazarus had died uh, and saw how stricken Mary and Martha were, Jesus wept. Even though he had planned all along to raise him from the dead, he was pained by their pain. 
So why does it matter that Jesus is a man of sorrow? It means he knows our pains. Isaiah goes on to say that Jesus bears our grief and carries our sorrow. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Jesus knew sorrow. He knew loneliness, isolation, separation. He was tempted in every way and sympathizes with our weakness. Jesus knew despair. He knew hopelessness. So if this is you, remember, Jesus is with you in your dark moments. Romans 8 says, when we don't know the words to pray, the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. How many times have you tried to pray and didn't know the right words? Take comfort in knowing the Spirit has your back. And also, remember that Jesus was indeed God in the flesh. He spoke with authority. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He calmed real storms. He cast out real demons. He also rose from the dead. He was our substitutionary atonement, a once and for all sacrifice. He took our sin upon himself so that we could claim his righteousness and be called heirs. This is indeed good news. We have a way to a relationship with our God. Jesus came to this earth with a mission, to be afflicted, to be acquainted with grief, and for us to bear our iniquities. In Luke, uh, Jesus declares his mission by reading a passage from the Old Testament. This is what he says, quoting Isaiah 61. To bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, a day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And I'm reminded here that we must first be able to see the poor, the brokenhearted, the captive, the imprisoned, the mourning, to know that they are here if we are to partner with God in the work he came to do. It means I cannot look away from the places where there is pain or pretend they do not exist or think that it is not my problem. Remember that when Jesus was asked, who is my neighbor? His answer is basically, who is not your neighbor? In Luke 7, we read the story of Simon the Pharisee. He judges a woman for washing Jesus' feet with her tears and washing them with her hair because she's a sinner. Jesus tells Simon, he who is forgiven little loves little. We all, all of us, have been forgiven much. The only difference is whether we know it. As people who have been forgiven much, we are called to love much. This is what it says in James 4, 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. I often think about this phrase, the upside down kingdom. I think I first heard it at a conference in college. 
it means Jesus' kingdom is an upside-down one from what we know. Power is powerlessness. Strength is weakness. Greatness is humility. Gain is loss. Laughter is mourning. But let's be honest, this is a hard teaching, another one. The world, for all, all we've heard all our lives, it says, look out for ourselves, get what's yours. But Jesus says, do the opposite. You will have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. In my home group, we're reading the story Luke tells by Justo Gonzalez. There's a chapter called The Great Reversal. Jesus came to flip the world order on its head. The low will be made great, and the great will be brought low. Mourning will turn to joy, and joy to weeping. So this is what uh, the author says. For Luke, as for all believers, the resurrection, ascension, and final triumph of Jesus comprise the axis around which all history revolves. But the resurrection is not a culmination of a life of glory, power, and honors. Rather, it comes after a life of constant persecution, culminating in the insults during his trial in the Praetorium and on the cross of Calvary. Luke's Jesus is, in the words of Isaiah, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. But he is also the conqueror of the grave and death. The story that begins in the remote and forgotten village of Nazareth will eventually lead to Rome, and even that is not its culmination. We are called to follow Jesus' example. We as a church and as believers are the body of Christ. If we claim to know Jesus, we continue his work. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. My hope is that the sharing doesn't come out too preachy. As they say, the best way to learn is to teach, and this is the thing I'm trying to learn. Jesus has forgiven my fathomless debt. Jesus has called me a friend. I need to know my identity as one who has been saved and who needed to be saved before I attempt anything in this world. Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. This Advent, meditate on Jesus, the man of sorrow. Let us celebrate that our God came into our world to announce good news, to bear our burdens. He did not turn away across to the other side of the road. He became sorrowful with us and on our behalf. And while grief and pain will continue, he offers us hope. His hope is not dependent on our circumstances, but speaks into them. And when you're ready, he invites you to step into a world of sorrow and share that same hope. Uh, so now we can do communion. I've never done this here, so I don't know if this is going to work. I'm having trouble. So the cracker symbolizes Christ's body broken for us.
the juice symbolizes Christ's blood shed for us.